This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. And now, from the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Mind Your Business with the Wharton Small Business Development Center. Knowledge, advice, and insight into starting, building, and managing a small business. Here are your hosts, Lauren Feldman and Celeste Corrado. Welcome to Mind Your Business on Sirius XM's business radio powered by the Warden School. I'm Lauren Feldman. I'm chief content officer of a growing community of businesses called the Oxford Center for Entrepreneurs. And I'm here with my co-host, Celeste Corrado, director of the Warden Small Business Development Center. How's it going, Celeste? It's going well, Lauren. How are you? I'm doing great. It's good to see you. Good to see you, uh, too. Especially uh, under the circumstances, once again, you brought along a special guest. Uh, why don't you introduce him? I have. I'm pretty excited about I it. I am, too. So I have brought Skip Shuda along with me. Um, he happens to be a um, business consultant with the Wharton SBDC and an instructor as well of some of our courses. And he's been with us for quite some time, I think roughly 10 years. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. And does so, he specialize in anything, well, Celeste? I was just go- going there for a minute. He <laughs> happens to be an expert in the cannabis industry in Pennsylvania, and we've not had a chance to really tap into that expertise much, except of late. And so I'm really excited he's here. Um, he's a founder of um, Gold Rush or no Green Rush Green Advisors. Rush. Sorry, it's the new Gold Rush. It's the <laughs> new right. Gold Rush, yeah. right? And um, he's also been a COO of a dispensary here, so he has some experience there too. And we're just really fortunate to have his expertise on board with us at the Wharton SBDC and here today at the radio show. So pretty excited. Welcome. Thank you, Celeste. Thank you, Lauren. Yes, it's good, good to be here. Great to have you here. Tell us, uh, tell us about Green Rush. So, uh, Green Rush Advisors is a company I started about five years ago. Uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur, I think, as a lot of the people here at the Wharton SBDC are, uh, and I saw the opportunity in the cannabis space starting to emerge. But in Pennsylvania, of course, there were no laws at the time, and I thought, well, how do I get involved with the cannabis space here in Pennsylvania? So I started an education and advocacy business, which was Green Rush Advisors. And uh, and that's grown to um, also add consulting components to that. And we have been initially starting just going to Harrisburg, working with legislators, trying to get the laws changed. And I started to research more about the product. Uh, it's not the same product that I knew from growing up in the 70s. So, um, but it is, you know, there's there's a lot of depth and um, complexity around the cannabis product. And so I wanted to get the word out to people. I started writing some blog posts uh, and uh, starting to educate people. And then I actually put some courses together for career seekers and uh, business owners. And uh, and subsequently, I've been consulting with different companies that are looking to move into the space as well. We're talking to Skip Shuda about uh, Canna Business. If you've got a question or a comment, uh, an observation, we'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. Uh, Skip, could, could you start by giving us kind of an assessment of the entrepreneurial opportunities that are out there? Obviously, it varies tremendously by state, but it, it really how do you does. look at it? Yeah, so um, I would say there are probably three big categories that people are interested in these days, and that would be uh, cannabis proper. Also, a lot of people refer to that as marijuana. Uh, and, of course, that's the uh, the street term, but cannabis mm-hmm. is the botanical term. And then touching the plant, in other words, as they say. That's right. right. Plant touching businesses. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then there are ancillary businesses around there. Uh, And then also we have uh, hemp is now a huge opportunity with the 2018 Farm Bill just passing. Hemp has effectively been legalized after generations of prohibition on hemp. Hemp was lumped in with cannabis back in the 30s. And pro- prohibited. Uh, of course, I know Skip, but but for those anybody who's listening who might not know the distinction, what, what what's the difference between marijuana and hemp? So, um, marijuana again is a, a street term for cannabis, the cannabis plant. It turns out that um, medical grade cannabis and hemp are actually from the same species. It's just that hemp has a very low uh, psychoactive component in terms of the THC, which is the 
the the component that gives you the high, if you will, the, the fun part, the euphoric, <laughs> the fun <laughs> part. Some people would say, uh, but it has to be under 03 percent THC to be classified as hemp. So once it's above 03 percent, then it's classified as cannabis, and uh, then you have, of course, both medical cannabis and adult use cannabis, which some people refer to as recreational. I like the term adult use. It doesn't have as much stigma attached. But um, And then those are all state-regulated markets. So it is still, that is, cannabis is still federally illegal, and it's on the, um, it's on Schedule 1 of the Controlled Substances Act. So uh, there's still this disconnect between federal and state laws. Except, yeah, just to go back a little bit, that farm bill is at the federal level. Right, that's that's right. That's yeah. the big news. So in yeah. December, the farm bill passed, and uh, what we discovered is that suddenly hemp is now a legal product. It's it's still heavily regulated, and what the Department of Agriculture has said is that individual states are required to have their own sets of regulations. Uh, if they don't have their own set of regulations, the federal government has sort of a boilerplate set that states can adopt. But uh, but for example, here in Pennsylvania. They've opened it up so that there are an unlimited number of licenses. It's a very low entry point. I think it's a few hundred dollars to apply for a hemp permit. And they're not going to have windows of application. It's a rolling process where uh, you can apply for the hemp uh, permit to grow uh, at any point. So that's going to open it up for a lot of people. And any products that are derived from hemp, from legally regulated hemp, are no longer part of the Federal Controlled Substances Act. So that opens up a market, for example, CBD. A lot of people are really interested in CBD. A lot of people are Which getting is? relief. So cannabidiol is one of um, the components in the cannabis plant, just like THC. Uh, they're called cannabinoids. There are up to 100 different cannabinoids, maybe more. They're still discovering them on a regular basis. And um, cannabidiol has been found to provide uh, a number of effects, in, in especially anti-seizure effects. They're very effective with um, children who have uh, seizure disorders or anyone who has seizure disorders. So people with Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis uh, diseases like that are getting relief from uh, CBD. Uh, some people who have ADHD claim that it actually provides a clarifying effect for them and helps them focus uh, so it's not quite uh, accurate to say it's not psychoactive, but it's not intoxicating. That is, CBD is not intoxicating the way THC is. So it, can I just like get real for a moment? Like I'm I'm a grower and I now can grow hemp plants and I'm going out to say the clothing industry is the end market or something. Mm -hmm. Can I have a secondary business that extracts the oil from those products and sell that as a medicinal sort of function or is that is the federal government controlling how i i use those end products so with cbd this is one of the areas that um there still remains a bit of a gray area and that is uh cbd products are really i mean if you think about it as a food supplement or a dietary supplement it's really regulated by the Food and Drug Administration. Mm -hmm. So what's happened is uh, the DEA has said okay uh, CBD that's derived from hemp you know, is no longer part of a controlled substance, but the FDA is like, okay, hold on. We need to come up with regulations and talk about how people can properly manufacture and sell and what, what representations they can make about CBD from a health perspective. So there's a lot of gray area there. But to answer your question, if you are a hemp grower, like in Pennsylvania, you can derive a number of different products. And I think fiber is probably the biggest market. So things like textiles, or even fibers that are used to manufacture car parts uh, are an important part of the uh, the hemp market. And that's kind of a volume play, right? Because you're really looking at hemp farms where you're looking at hundreds or thousands of acres to actually produce enough quantity to, to create a product. But there are smaller um, specialty products like microgreens, uh, hemp microgreens. You can, um, you can extract some of these other cannabinoids that may not be uh, regulated by the Controlled Substances Act, and you can uh, create those uh, terpenes, which are sort of the aromas that are in the um, the cannabis plant. That's all fair game. Hmm. So I, I do have a. So I appreciate that that explanation. Um, 
Can you, um, I, I know you mentioned the complexities and I think you were touching on them and it sounds like a lot of it is regulatory and, you know, sort of the rules and regulations around both the hemp side and the, you know. And the cannabis. The cannabis side. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, so I guess that's <clears throat> why you started Green Rush Advisors, at least to help businesses navigate to some of this. untangle some of that mess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the... Um, I mean, that prohibition really goes back into the 30s. Uh, you know, just kind of a brief history on that was we are coming out of alcohol prohibition. Um, some people say that the reason prohibition of cannabis started was because you had all these revenue agents who no longer had work uh, chasing down the That's uh, really interesting. stills. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there was a one guy, this Harry Anslinger was sort of the guy driving the effort to outlaw cannabis. Uh, and, of course, there was a xenophobic um, streak at that time in the 30s. A lot of people, a, a lot of uh, immigrants out of uh, Mexico were were using the, um, the cannabis plant. And so they were being targeted. There was the Reefer Madness movie that was produced to try to scare people about the product. And, you know, it's interesting. When they came to Congress to basically outlaw um, marijuana, the one organization that came to Congress and said we need to have this product still around was the American Medical Association. And they actually came to Congress and argued in favor of not uh, basically prohibiting cannabis. And it was prohibited through a tax act. So what they did is they made it prohibitively expensive to manufacture and sell cannabis. In the 70s, the tax, or early 70, 1970, I think, the tax act was challenged in court. And it was overturned. And at that point, they put the Controlled Substances Act in place. And that was uh, sort of in the Nixon era and, uh, you know, starting to the drug war officially uh, kicked off at that point. Interesting. We're talking cannabis with Skip Shuda of the Wharton Small Business Development Center. If you've got a question or a comment, and I bet you do, give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. So, Skip, if somebody came to you today and said, I just really want to get into this business, it's, it feels a little bit like the Wild West, what should I do? What would you tell them? Well, I think the first thing I would, I would say is I'd confirm that it is a bit of the Wild West. Uh, you know, I've, I've actually gone through two booms now, one the Internet boom and now this cannabis boom. What were you doing during the and Internet boom? So in the Internet boom, I actually started a company that was building uh, software to create online banking systems. So Internet-based banking systems. We built one of the world's first online banking systems in 1995, 96. It's kind of ironic. It's too bad you couldn't do the same thing today for the cannabis business. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there's a software technology component. But you can't do it until the laws change, yeah. right? There is a software technology component. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. So so what I was going to say is, you know, in the Internet world, the people that were coming into the space were software people, business uh, sales consultants, people that had consulting backgrounds. So there was a there was a very professional kind of business-oriented feel to it, even though it was sort of, you know, fast-moving and, and wide-ranging. In the cannabis space, you have a lot of people who are coming out of illicit markets. They've been sort of uh, operating in the shadows for a long period of time. You also have a lot of people who are profiteers who know nothing about the product who are coming in, but they have deep pockets and they can move quickly. So those were two things that, you know, very different markets in, in that sense. So who you partner with and why you're going to get involved, I think, are important questions to be uh, considering if you want to get into this space. I'd like to see people getting into this space for the right reasons, uh, which is that this is a product that can actually help a lot of people. A lot of people are getting uh, tremendous relief from the product. And, uh, you know, if you're going to be involved, you should really be trying to also help destigmatize the product because we have four generations of stigma around marijuana. Communities of color uh, have been disproportionately targeted. I mean, there have been studies that show uh, you're three to four times more likely to be arrested for marijuana possession in the United States if you are a person of color than if you're a white person, even though the usage rates are roughly comparable. So give us an example of an opportunity out there. How much money do you need to do what? What, what, what's, what aspect of this is you know, something that somebody with a low barrier to entry business, that somebody yeah. could yeah. jump into fairly quickly? So a lot of that depends on where you live. Um, you know, you can apply in states uh, like Colorado for a uh, dispensary or a grow permit for a couple of thousand dollars. 
uh, and, you know, start to build out from there. Uh, if you're in a state like Pennsylvania, uh, you're talking about tens of thousands or, you know, for a grower uh, permit, the initial fee is $200,000 uh, just to buy the permit. So it's it's really prohibitively expensive for a lot of small entrepreneurs who want to get into the space in certain states. So you have to look at your state regulations and really get to understand that. Um, but there are a number of opportunities outside of the plant-touching business, uh, which people refer to as ancillary businesses. So marketing companies, security companies, um, HVAC, uh, mechanical engineering and plumbing, uh, construction companies, interior design. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Are, are, are there plumbing and HVAC companies <laughs> designed sure. specifically for yeah. this space? Is that what you're saying? Believe it or not, there are. Yeah, there Why? are actually companies what, that... What, what, what expertise do you need to have to handle plumbing and HVAC uh, for a, uh, well, a marijuana if, business? If you're going to actually cultivate cannabis at scale, um, th- there's a lot of complexity involved. Uh, you know, it's it's a very light-intensive plant, so you, you're either going to have very high-powered energy demands and lights that are that are heating up this space, or you're going to build a structure with a, um, like a glass ceiling and a hybrid uh, greenhouse, if you will. Humidity becomes a problem. Pests become a problem. Mold becomes a problem. And these all have to be managed through proper HVAC and engineer and, you know, plumbing issues. There are fertigation systems that have automated um, intelligence so that they can actually have sensors at the plant level and they can regulate how much nutrients are being, how many nutrients are being applied, how much water is being applied, and um, so you know if you're a contractor who has experience and wants to get into the space, you can go to some of these um, national conferences or regional conferences, learn more about the product. There are people that are actually training in, in some of these disciplines, and then you can start to apply that in your in your own field. And again, marketing and sales and that kind of thing, there's a, there's a ton of stuff that doesn't require a lot of capital to get involved. If you've got a question for Skip or a comment or a concern, we're at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. Let's take a phone call right now. Dave in Illinois, welcome to Mind Your Business. Hi, how are you? Doing great, thank you. What's on your mind, Dave? Well, I'm trying to locate additional information about the different uh, components of uh, or extracts of uh, marijuana or hemp uh, to be used for health reasons. And how do you learn what does what or what possibilities are there with the components? I, I can't seem to find very good information on that. Let's see if we can help. Skip. Okay. Uh, the C- CBD oil, that type of thing. You know, they seem to be fragmented all over the place. Yeah, the the information is uh, fragmented, Dave, unfortunately. But um, but there are some good sources that are out there. Um, again, some of these conferences that you can go to um, will have specialists who can uh, speak to some of these issues. But there are also uh, some organizations that provide a lot of good information about the um, uh, about the uh, product itself. Um, the American Herbal Products Association, I think, is coming out with a uh, description of the cannabis plant in some level of detail. Uh, there are um, a number of organizations that are focused on uh, medicinal use of cannabis. Uh, a couple of simple applications you might want to start with are things like Leafly and Weed Maps. Uh, a lot of times these talk about local dispensaries and, and where they're available. But they also will go into talking about the product in more detail, uh, the different strains, and what some of the benefits of those strains are. Uh, another one that I can think of offhand is Canna SOS, uh, which is a website that actually has a great breakdown of a lot of the strains. Um, so hopefully some of those sites can help steer you in the right direction on um, the medical side of the, the plant. Dave, thank you for your phone call. Really appreciate it. Hope that helps. If you've got a question uh, about uh, the canna, canna business, business, uh, <laughs> give us a call. We're at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. Um, this might be a stupid question, but I've always wondered about this. And I haven't seen it addressed, Skip. 
when you start a, a, nor, uh, a more traditional business, one of the things you know going into it is that there are a lot of tax deductions. You, you know, there are ways to offset the money you're investing. Mm. Does that apply when the product you're involved with is illegal on the federal level? Can you yeah, go to a, the IRS and deduct the expenses involved in selling an illegal product? It's a great question. So actually, uh, back in, in um, the 70s, uh, there was a uh, drug case that actually made it all the way to the Supreme Court. They were basically using the old technique of um, trying to convict this person on tax evasion. Uh, he was a drug dealer, and they couldn't— Like Al Capone. Like Al Capone, okay. right, the same idea. Uh, and it went to the Supreme Court, and the drug dealer prevailed. Uh, so the Congress took up a law, and they passed a revision to the IRS tax code uh, with a section called 280E. And what 280E says, if you try to sell any product that is a, that is tied into uh, a Schedule One substance, you cannot deduct anything other than the cost of goods sold. Which means that if you're trying to run a business, and this is true for any state-level, state-legal dispensary or grower or processor, anyone that's touching the plant, the only thing they can deduct is the cost of goods sold. So they can't deduct, um, like in a dispensary, their their dispensary staff and their employees. Mm -hmm. They can't deduct marketing efforts. They cannot deduct education. I I mean, any of this stuff that a normal business would be able to say, hey, this is – part of doing sure. business. They can't do that. So it makes it difficult to um, to drive profits. A lot of people are really trying to hold on until those laws are repealed. Um, now, is you know, we have a new Congress and it's possible. And this is, this is you know, top of mind for a lot of people. So uh, it may be something that we see a change on in the uh, near future. Let's take another phone call. It's coming from uh, Jay in Illinois, and I'm wondering, might this be uh, Jay Goltz, a frequent guest on this uh, this program? Yes, it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> what an interesting conversation. Um, <laughs> Thanks for calling in, Jay. Am I, the, am I the only one that's sitting here thinking to themselves, seriously, you got John Boehner now doing these ads <laughs> and putting on online and, 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 and TV, and I just reading off his website, if you strike first, you stand to make an absolute fortune. Am I wrong to assume that, and this has nothing to do with it, it being legal and everything, that's fine. Am I wrong to assume there's going to be lots of people losing tens of thousands of dollars, quote-unquote, investing money because they're getting in on the ground floor of this new explosive thing? Skip, <laughs> I, I I share your concern, Jay. I, um, you know, I'm glad you brought that up about John Boehner because that was one of the big surprises in 2018. Was um, you know the former Speaker of the House is now on the board of directors for Acreage Holdings, which is uh, one of these multi-state operators. Um, but and I do believe he's he's running these seminars to try to gra- to try to gain people to um, invest in these opportunities. There's a lot of irrational exuberance, if you will, in the uh, cannabis <laughs> sector. So I'm asked all the time about, um, uh, you know, penny stocks and, uh, you know, how do I get in? How do I invest? Uh, and what ends up happening is if you look at the fundamentals of some of these businesses, they're just not at the production and the revenue capacity to justify the kind of valuations that they have. So it's all a big bet on sort of where this market is going to go down the road. Um, and some of these bets will pan out. You know, I mean, if you can find the Amazon, uh, that's great. You know, so uh, but but at the same time, there are plenty that are probably going to flame out and uh, certainly don't invest your, uh, you know, your retirement savings. Uh, fully. I, I think you could take the word probably out of it because there's no question <laughs> that that many of these. And, and I, I'm just wondering, as a business person, if this is such a sure thing. Well, no one says John it's a sure Daner, thing. Does John well, Boehner say it's a sure get thing? Get on the ground floor. Get on the ground floor and make your millions. I'm wondering why do they need to go do public seminars to get money from people? If this is why can't they get money from banks, from venture capitalists, from private equity funds? Why are they going out and raising money from John Q. Public if this is such a good deal? And yeah. I think the answer is because they make their money from getting money from John Q. Public. Mm. And uh, I mean, this is just like every other thing you see coming along that. Oil wells, I get those calls. Have you invested in an oil well lately? Yeah, I think we were talking about this earlier with the uh, you know the difference between the internet and the uh, and the cannabis industries. Um, 
you, you know, the there, there's certainly promise and there's certainly uh, future growth. I mean, if you look at the projections and they've been holding up pretty well, uh, as as I've been monitoring the industry, it was uh, I think it was roughly uh, what was an 18, uh, 12 billion dollar market uh, in 2018 for cannabis. And they're talking about market valuations or markets of 22 billion, 25 billion in 2022, 2025. So you're seeing some pretty dramatic projections in terms of the size of the market, but trying to figure out where you're going to actually make those bets, I think becomes, um, becomes a challenge. So, but, you know, we talked about, um, you know, the Constellation Brands uh, put a $4 billion investment into Canopy Growth Corporation, a, a Canadian uh, licensed producer. Uh, uh, Kronos received an investment from Altria. Uh, Kronos is, a, again, a Canadian licensed producer. So Altria, uh, which is They're going to Canada industry. because it's legal federally yes. there as opposed to here. That's right. That's right. And so, Mike, I'm sure that most of those people will make money. I'm wondering about John Q. Public that went to a seminar and gave him $10,000. That's the person I'm concerned about. Sure. I'm sure these huge corporations that know what they're doing. I'm sure it's a viable. I'm sure it, that most of them will come out fine, if not great. But I, I just see that. Jay, let me, let me stop you. You're, you're an experienced retailer. Um, I don't even know what the law is in Illinois at this point. Um, but it's let's still just. illegal. Uh, they have a medical program, right? Yes. Yeah. And you know what? I have to tell you something. I looked into that a little bit. I happen to know someone who I'm on a board, and the, the guy is, is is smoking pot on the premises, and, and I I was involved because I'm on the board. I go, you know what? Go get, a medical, um, go get a medical license for it. And he told me something that turned out to be true. He said, if I do that, it goes on my Illinois driver's license, and he doesn't want to do it. And I called and verified, and he was right. So I, I, that is a problem, and I, I, it's not as simple as it looks. Um, well, let me ask you this. I want, to, I want to call on your entrepreneurial expertise. Let's say, for argument's sake, that the law passes tomorrow, and you decide that you're interested in, uh, in going into the, the retail side of this. What questions would you have? What would you want to know? Uh, what can we ask Skip uh, about the process of jumping who, in? I know several people who are putting money into stuff, so it's not a real theoretical thing. I, I, you know, apparently at the moment, the banking thing is a problem, isn't it? That the banks can't, that there's getting banks, money is a problem? Banks are reluctant to provide any kind of support to um, cannabis businesses, plant-touching businesses. There are a handful of banks that are doing work with cannabis-touching businesses, uh, and there are guidelines uh, from the uh, the Attorney General's office that date back to the Obama era, which say, here's if you're going to participate as a bank, here's how you have to follow, uh, you have to file these uh, SARS, these suspicious activity reports, on any kind of transactions. And we understand that it's a state legal thing, so we're not going to prosecute, but we want that recorded. Once a bank hears that, most banks say, forget it. I don't want to participate. So, yeah, it's tough. You have to find specialized insurance companies. Not all insurance carriers will will touch this as well. So a lot of the logistics, it, there, there are many barriers to entry, uh, but there are companies out there that if you search around, you can find them to, to get started. So you're going to do it, Jay? Um, no. Um, <laughs> Didn't convince I, you, huh? <laughs> I know that there, I'm sticking with picture framing and furniture. <laughs> and okay. Um, I, I just think that I've heard there's that people have gotten licensed for, it. I'm sure there will be people making money on it. No, no question about it. I just, I just would like to just remind everyone that's out there. This is the new gold rush and lots of people lost money on the gold rush and lots of people lose money on the oil well things and the everything that comes along. And when I see someone like John Boehner, who used to, to be a politician doing this, I just, um, I want to wretch. I, I mean, I just. <laughs> and picks and I shovels, mean, really. right? Picks and shovels were the, uh, the big gold rush business. A lot of people say, so yeah, that's where the made money selling blue jeans and picks and shovels. I, I just wish, I just hope that everybody's listening and says, be very careful who you give money to, because, um, if it, it like the ones you mentioned, but they're probably going to make money. I, I don't have any doubt about that, but, but these seminars they're putting on now, how to make money and Really, if it was such a great deal, it's same, same thing with stocks. If they're, if they're so smart with their stock picking, why are they going out and asking for money from people? Why aren't they just putting money into the stock market themselves? It's, That's right. It's always the same story. Yeah, um, and the big real estate plays. And, Jay, your message is a really good one. And that is it comes back down to some basic principles, you know, business principles, and, then, and not being lured by what's the latest and greatest. 
And you uh, just give me your check, and we'll take care of the rest. That's yeah, right. that's right. Yeah, and I think so, that, you brought up a good one: the real estate thing, how to make money in real, real estate. estate. Yeah, it's, we've seen this this before, and I, I think one of the frustrating things for you know my team at the SBDC is we're hampered by the same thing. We would love to get the to these entrepreneurs and give them advice on how you know what's good business practices in this industry. But we're hampered by the federal government until that you know sort of clears the way and it's not so murky. But in the meanwhile, I think an individual investor or entrepreneur can get back down to some basic principles of business. And you bring such a good point out, um, Jay, on that. I mean, I think you have to get a license, right? If you want to That's do it right. yourself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. You would yeah, have like to said, have I'm a sure Go ahead, some Jay. of those people are going to do fine with it or extremely well even. Yeah, And if you've ever seen the studies, and I have seen them, where, where there are people that need medical marijuana, anyone who thinks, I have to tell you, I wish they'd pay attention. There are people out there that this is a life-changing thing that is absolutely necessary that, you know, if you've seen the difference it makes in people's lives, it's, it's remarkable. So I, I'm, not, I'm not questioning at all the whole movement. I'm just questioning the gold rush thing that's going in with, uh, quick, give me some money and we'll all get rich. I think that's so, a, I think it's it's solid advice, and um, you know even the companies that we mentioned earlier, a lot of these Canadian companies, um, and there are some real estate uh, companies as well. They are available on uh, over the counter, but if you look at the fundamentals, I mean, you're not going to be able to do the kind of analysis that you would to say, oh, this is worth worthwhile because they're still underwater. They're investing all their capital in the expenses, uh, you know, and and yet their stock prices are are growing by leaps and bounds. Jay well, Galt? you know what happened with the car industry. Wait, the car industry, back in the early 1900s, there was, what, hundreds of car companies around? And we ended up with, what, four? So there is going to be a fallout. Yeah. Besides, the, besides the scammers that are out there, there will be a fallout because there's just going to be too many people chasing the same thing. Jay okay, thanks for letting me As always, thank you. thank you thank for you, calling Jay. in. We okay. will talk to you again soon. We appreciate Excellent. it. Thanks. Bye. If you've got a question or a comment, please give us a call. We're at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. We're going to take a quick break, but you can call right now. Uh, We'll get you queued up, and we'll talk to you in just a moment. Uh, We'll be back with Skip Shooter and Celeste Corrado. Our producer, Michelle Stucker, is standing by right now, so you can call 844-942-7866. You're listening to Mind Your Business. I'm Lauren Feldman. My co-host is Celeste Corrado, and this is Business Radio, powered by the Warden School on Sirius XM 132. You're listening to Mind Your Business with the Wharton Small Business Development Center. Here again, Lauren Feldman and Celeste Corrado. Welcome back to Mind Your Business. I'm Lauren Feldman. I'm here with my co-host, Celeste Corrado, director of the Wharton Small Business Development Center. And we're speaking with Skip Shuda, who teaches entrepreneurship at the Wharton Small Business Development Center and uh, was a founder of Green Rush Advisors. We're talking about cannabis. He's an expert in the business of legal marijuana. We're taking your questions and comments at 1-844-942-7866. Let's take a question right now. Mary in Oklahoma, welcome to Mind Your Business. Hi there. I recently got my medical license in Oklahoma. They just opened it, I think, January. And um, my question is, how do they regulate the amount of um, THC or CBD, whatever it is I'm inhaling in a vape? Uh, It says it's 500 milligrams in the whole container, but even one inhalation is entirely too strong. Thank you for your call, Mary. Skip, is that something that you can help Mary with? Sure, I can take a, a, a crack at that. The um, I, I don't know the laws in Oklahoma specifically, but um, in Pennsylvania, uh, you can also buy a 500-milligram vape cartridge. Uh, and what ends up happening is they have a varying concentration of CBD and THC. So, uh, Mary, when you go into your dispenser, you may want to actually ask them, if they have any uh, high CBD concentrations, or sometimes they'll have uh, one-to-one CBD and THC, which uh, a lot of times the CBD will actually counteract the um, the euphoric or intoxicating effect of the THC. So it helps modulate that if you have a decent amount of CBD in there. But I would encourage you to really talk to the people at the dispensary in Pennsylvania. 
We have to have a medical professional in every one of our dispensaries, and they're there for the reason of, of being able to give you some, um, some solid medical advice that's grounded in research. So I'll definitely steer you back to your medical professional and your dispensary. Mary, thank you for the phone call. hope that's helpful. Uh, let's go to Chris in California. Uh, welcome to Mind Your Business, Chris. Hi, thanks. Um, I actually am in the cannabis space. And um, so, you know, people talk about uh, the legalizing <laughs> cannabis, and it's kind of a broad statement. And I see, I just want to skip, I want to kind of get your opinion and knowledge about it. I do know about um, Green Rush Advisors. Um, is I think that it's going to be broken down into very certain segments, but are there any tools <laughs> that you think are going to be hit um, best? Um, that we're going to be able to move along with, I think, 280E banking and then just basically a state's rights issue. I think that's what's going to happen in the federal government. What do you think about that, Skip? Chris, before Skip answers, could, could just tell us uh, what uh, aspect of uh, cannabis business you're in. I um, ran a retail delivery service in California, and now I do consulting. And I'm looking um, at various projects around the country. I'm looking at more emerging markets. Um, and vertical integration. Got it. So, Skip, uh, his sure. Chris's so, question just is kind about... of an interesting point uh, that Chris brings up. Also, retail delivery uh, is kind of an emerging uh, segment that's showing up in some states where people can actually uh, make an order and have cannabis delivered directly to their uh, location. Uh, some states, I know California is uh, a little further along the, the trail on that than uh, we are here on the East Coast. Uh, in terms of the changes that we're looking for, Chris, uh, you know, I, I, I agree. The um, I think what you're going to see is uh, the, the new Congress will probably move pretty aggressively towards uh, some states' rights issues. Repealing of 280E, I think, makes a lot of sense. Uh, the, the businesses, as we talked about earlier, are really hamstrung. What's 280E? 280E is the IRS regulation that says you cannot deduct normal business expenses. Uh, so uh, it, it really impacts the profitability of these businesses and their ability to deliver. Um, so I think that you're going to see that kind of a change. Uh, I think you'll see, um, you know, the CBD has to be clarified in terms of how that can be uh, properly regulated and delivered. Uh, for example, uh, Maine just now in response to the farm bill, interestingly, they passed a law that said CBD edibles are no longer allowed unless it's through a medical marijuana dispensary. So you have all these CBD stores that opened up in Maine that are suddenly struggling to figure out, well, how are we, you know, we have this product, we have these clients and, and whatnot. So I think getting clarification around um, CBD as a substance as well will be something that we'll look at. And, of course, a lot of people are looking to see uh, uh, cannabis uh, rescheduled or descheduled. A lot of people are pushing to say, hey, let's see it regulated like alcohol, because alcohol is not on any kind of controlled substances schedule, but the ATF uh, is really the, the organization responsible for that. So I think you'll start to see some of those moves. I don't know. It's probably going to be a little bit of time before we see full uh, adult use legalization like we do in Canada, but we do have our neighbors to the north applying pressure, um, and we'll, we'll see how that goes. And with as 2020 comes along, and people are looking for issues to uh, get some popular support around. Uh, cannabis may be a uh, an attractive topic. Chris, does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. I, I mean, uh, I'm. It's kind of where I wanted. I heard. I just wanted some experts to talk about this. Um, yeah, I do have a consulting company called Sequoia Management Group out here in California. But I'm not just looking at California because it's very saturated and. They did a dual licensing system where you had to get a local license to get your state license. And most of the local licenses, everybody thinks every, cannabis is everywhere. We actually have a lot of cannabis deserts out here in California. And so that's where uh, delivery was filling that gap. And, um, and that's why we we're ahead of the game. And we also had the Prop 215 that passed back in 1996 didn't give a lot of structure, so people were just kind of doing it. And that's, mm -hmm. that's where we were. And as I learned more and more, I wanted to be more into the licensed environment. And I back to the point, though, I wanted to ask 
you know, just open up the conversation about education, because I really believe in what Jay said earlier about uh, um, the public investing in this. Be very hesitant to invest unless you really know what you're doing. But the other thing is there's a lot of education that needs to be done by the public on how this product works. And I want to see more energy. That's one of the biggest reasons why I want 280E to be abandoned, because I think there's so much that we can do for marketing and education, but we can't write off those expenses. So then it becomes prohibitive. And I'm also very hesitant to regulate this like alcohol because this is saving people's lives. And I've seen it in front of my eyes. I've seen people change their lives with cancer, AIDS, HIV. The list goes on. You know, when I had my delivery service, I had over 5,000 patients at one time. So I saw it drastically change lives. The only thing I've seen with alcohol changing lives is a lot of destruction. So, um, but that's my own bias. That's my own bias. So those are some, some of the comments. And I just, I, where, where do we, where do you think we can go with getting more education down to the grassroots for people to understand? I guess that would be my question. How this product works, how dosing works, what, what are the pluses and minuses of this? Chris, thank you for the for the questions. Really appreciate it. Skip, what do you think? We, we'll, yeah, the uh, no, I, I appreciate that as well, Chris. And I think education is definitely one of the big areas that we need to see more development. Uh, in fact, I have uh, been active in starting a, a nonprofit called Soulful Cannabis, and our uh, purpose here is really to try to make the cannabis industry the best version of itself. Education is uh, central to that, so we're focusing on community impact. Uh, initiatives. Uh, we're going to, for example, we're running an event uh, in on February 24th uh, in media, which is focused on medical education. We're going to have some physicians in who are recommending physicians uh, that will be actually speaking to the audience. And, and our big focus is going to be on panels where people can come in from the public and ask questions. It's a free event. And we're trying to um, do more of these sorts of community outreach events because the communities are not really well prepared for this this new industry that is showing up on their doorstep. Uh, so the the industry could be doing a better job of supporting that kind of communication and education, and uh, that's why we're putting this nonprofit together to fill that gap. There are some organizations that are emerging around to uh, to help with that kind of. Uh, information, and there are some online educational programs as well. Uh, so uh, locally, people that want to get into the businesses uh, for dispensary training, for example, hemp staff uh, travels around the country and they do uh, sessions in different towns. Uh, there's a online um, a, a education company called Greenflower Media, and they provide some really well-produced uh, videos about all aspects of cannabis, including medical usage, uh, cultivation, um, and, uh, yeah, so definitely look for some of those resources. Thanks for the question, Chris. Really appreciate it. If you've got a question or a comment, please give us a call. We're at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. Let's go to Les in Alabama. Welcome to Mind Your Business, Les. Hey, a uh, question about the industry. Well, a couple questions about the industry. Is the uh, is it a vertically integrated industry, or is it more of a three tier industry? As far as like uh, similar to what the wine situation is. Skip, well, I guess it depends state by state. You know, I was uh, going to say there's nothing that's true everywhere, right? That's right. <laughs> there's nothing that's true everywhere. So, for example, if you look at New Jersey, uh, right now New Jersey has. 12 alternative treatment centers. These alternative treatment centers are, uh, they're growing, they are processing it into oils, and then they are selling it all under one company. So it's a vertical market that is mandated by the by the regulators. Uh, the new laws that are being debated in New Jersey are moving away from the vertical model into a more uh, segregated model of cultivation licenses, processing licenses, wholesaler licenses, and dispensing licenses. So they actually added that wholesaler piece into there as well. Uh, In Pennsylvania, they combined the cultivation and the processing, and then the dispensary licenses are separate. So it's really determined state by state at this point. Um, 
you know, I think uh, people are moving towards more specialization over time. So I think you'll start to see it stratify into uh, less vertically oriented uh, businesses. But, uh, you know, it, it's hard to say also as some of these big conglomerates get involved, they may want to uh, control the entire uh, supply chain. Why do you ask, Les? What? Is this something you're uh, thinking about? Oh, God, no. I drive a truck. I couldn't afford to be anywhere near that. But (laughs) it's an interesting uh, proposition. Uh, Also, what's the uh, markup between the different levels? You know, if if I'm a grower in, heaven forbid, West Texas, and I sell to somebody, and then they sell it on to a retailer, what are the markups on those different levels? I know it's going to range from state to state. Yeah, it really does. Uh, really does range from state to state. There are some companies that are starting to track spot prices on cannabis, so you can actually. Um, I want to say BDS Analytics, I think, does that. But uh, there are some firms out there that are looking at, uh, you know, the wholesale price of produced cannabis, uh, and then the question is, what's the retailer actually selling for? So they have to make their business model work because of this 280e issue and the, the local dynamics of, you know, what their rent costs or whatever. A lot of people are using what my understanding is using what they call keystoning. So basically um, doubling the price. So if they bought the if they bought the cannabis for, you know, um, fifteen hundred dollars, they will that cannabis will be sold for three thousand dollars in value. So but that's uh, that's a very rough uh, rule of thumb. Um, And it does it does vary state by state. I mean, you have some states like Washington state where, uh, you know, they had a cannabis uh, crash effectively because they licensed so many producers uh, and it was so inexpensive to get a permit that they have an overproduction of cannabis and uh, they have a glut. They can't be sold they in other states. Yeah, that can't cannot move it, be, right? cannot yeah. move to another state. So, uh, right. So the health ha- all has to be sold right there in state. And I think a lot of producers have gone out of business as a result. Okay. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for the call, Les. Uh, If you have a question or a comment, please give us a call at 1-844-942-7866. Yeah, I had two follow-on questions. So one one thing that I read about, too, is that there is a high-end market to this. So Mm -hmm. answering his question on the markup, I guess there's some products that are off the charts as far as, you know, retail value. That's right. Yeah, so some uh, some producers are actually putting together specialty strains. Uh, they have, uh, you know, there there's a whole conversation around land race breeds, which are uh, sort of going back to uh, if you think about heirloom tomatoes, right? Mm. It's sort of land race is sort of the heirloom tomatoes of cannabis, if you will, uh, and they're sort of going back to the roots, uh, or they have strains that have been um, that have been combined to provide specific effects. Uh, and there are extraction processes that are a lot more complicated and involved, and sometimes people will charge a premium for that as well. And then branding, uh, you know, also mm-hmm. becomes a big part of it, right? It, 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 you know, if people can brand this well, um, they can charge a premium for that brand. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there, there was another comment I, I wanted to make. Um, if, if we combine um, Jay and one of the other callers, you know, comments about where to get information and being careful of that. You know, the question did, as you were mentioning sort of the conferences and places, I guess you have to be careful on, you know, which ones are for profit with an objective in mind and which ones don't. And is Mm. that sort of still the Wild West there too on trying to get information? Just, you know, forget about getting in the industry, just the information. Yeah, just getting the information. Yeah, I mean, you do have to look at the sources. Um, there is a conference out in Las Vegas, which is sort of the giant conference. I was just looking this morning. They had 25,000 attendees in Vegas this past uh, November. Uh, every year it's gotten bigger. Last year was 17,000. Wow. When wow. I went two years ago, it was 12,000. Um, they had 1,000 vendors at this conference. Oh so, um, But, you know, you can learn a lot of information there. There is a lot of good data there, and people are willing to take the time and educate you. Uh, there are other conferences, uh, for for example, put on by Americans for Safe Access, which is much more of a, a lot of times clinical conferences. Uh, there's a group called Patients Out of Time, which is uh, catering towards sort of the medical industry. So you have a lot of nurses and physicians who will come to those conferences. Uh, so 
So if you look around, you'll find that the conferences are starting to specialize uh, around the kind of information that's being imparted. And then there are conferences that are springing up regionally all the time. Uh, and, you you know, you, it's a hit or miss in terms of the, the quality there. So Okay. <laughs> Great. Let's take another phone call. Leona in Tennessee, welcome to Mind Your Business. Yes. Hi. I was calling to see uh, what the speaker knew about Tennessee in regards to, uh, you mentioned another state, it was saturated with producers. If you had any insight as to what the market was like in Tennessee. Skip, do you know anything about Tennessee? I'm sorry to say that I, I'm not up on the laws in Tennessee. <laughs> I'm sorry I can't help you with that one. Yeah. If you had a guess, though, you'd probably well, guess that they're not terribly favorable. Is that right? <laughs> you know, it's it's surprising. I mean, some of the uh, some of the southern, southern states are actually uh, moving ahead. Um, you know, we talked to a gentleman from Oklahoma earlier today, um, or it was someone who called in from Oklahoma. So um, what I would recommend is, um, you know, do a search and, and look at your Department of Health uh, and your um, you know, Departments of Health and Human Services and see if they have any information about medical marijuana programs. Typically, that's where they start. Thank you for the phone call, Leona. Appreciate it. Good luck. Um, and it raises kind of an interesting question. Where do you think the, the greater entrepreneurial opportunities are? Are they in the states where it's fully legal, but there's a lot of competition? Or are they, you know, like California and Colorado and Washington? Or is it in a place like Pennsylvania, which is moving in that direction? Yeah, I mean, California is really uh, kind of a, a, a beast unto itself. Um, you know, there's a gigantic gray market, and California regulators are trying to move it across from uh, the gray market into a, um, you know, a legitimate market. They actually have a number of programs in place. Um, I like to, you know, personally, I mean, I'm situated here in the Mid-Atlantic region. The opportunities that uh, really seem to be growing are moving from medical programs into adult use programs in New Jersey and Pennsylvania and New York. Once you start moving across to those programs, the numbers really start to explode in terms of uh, projected uh, cannabis consumers. So Pennsylvania has 80,000 cardholders right now, but we have over 12 million people in the state. If you go to an adult use market in Pennsylvania, you can imagine it's going to be a much bigger um, set of opportunities that emerge. Celeste? I think you're going to have to bring Skip back again. We uh, we had too many questions to deal <laughs> yes. with in, uh, in the time available. We knew this was going to happen, it's right? It's a big topic. Will you join yes. us again, Skip? I would love to be back. That'd be great. Uh, really great be having you. Thank you. If you want to get in touch with Skip, you can reach him through the Warden Small Business Development Center or through Green Rush Advisors. Yep. Um, That's right. Or Soulful Cannabis. <laughs> Excellent. And you can uh, you can also reach Celeste through the Warden Small Business Development Center. If you want to get in touch with me, uh, I'm on Twitter at L Feldman, or you can check out the Oxford Morning Report, a daily newsletter with must-reads for entrepreneurs. You can find it by Googling Oxford Morning Report. We've run out of time here, Celeste. No. But we're here every Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Uh, we want to thank Dion Simpkins, our audio engineer, and Michelle Stucker, our producer. Until next time, I'm Lauren Feldman. And I'm Celeste Corrado. And this has been Mind Your Business on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. Thanks for listening, everybody. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 